in the faith. Amen. Come on, give it up for Pastor Anthony. It is always good to hear him tell me I'm his son. You know, because there's a lot, a lot that I'm going to share today um, based on him, and it's for the glory of God. But when he told me he was doing rebuilding, he said he wanted to get a bodybuilder in here. So I wrote a book called The Bodybuilder, but I ain't the bodybuilder. Because the bottom line is, when I looked at the parallels, and I'll talk to you about this in a second, between bodybuilding and being built as a believer, I recognize that we are the body of Christ, and Jesus Christ builds us up to where we need to be. So ultimately, Jesus Christ is the ultimate bodybuilder. Amen? And I have a heartbeat and a desire to to just bring a message as far as I can and as much as I can. And my church has been so gracious to give me a, a liberty to go and visit other churches and talk about what's been on my heart through this book and through this, uh, uh, this great coming together of my passions. But I do have something this morning that I want to make sure I get uh, to Pastor. And it is his very own body because he's, he's a strong man. He's a strong man. Chapter 5 of my book is all about Pastor Malazzo. And uh, uh, he, he's a bodybuilder in my eyes. And, and the, the text is based on a scripture he and I talked about a long time ago. 1 Timothy 4a, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. And this is really uh, the, the nuts and bolts of this book that I wrote. And this is a t-shirt right here for Pastor Steve. And uh, come on, don't you think he'd look great if he just had that slapped on over that, that beautiful yellow sunshine shirt right there? I need you all to bear with me for a minute because I'm about to challenge you with a scripture and I'm going to have to start from the bare bones minimum, okay? If I go to a church and I visit a church and I start speaking to them and I assume everybody's going to heaven, I might miss somebody, so I'm just going to assume everybody here is going to hell. Is that okay? So I'm here to rescue. And I'm going to start out with a verse from Genesis 3.9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And that's my simple question to everybody this morning. Where are you? Where are you at? The reason why God had to say those words to Adam is because Adam was not where he was supposed to be. God enjoyed harmony with Adam. He enjoyed walking and talking with Adam. He created him to share communion with Adam, spend time together, and love him. But the words, where are you, came out of God's mouth because Adam was not where he was supposed to be. Adam was afraid, and Adam was hiding. And there is so many of us in the same respects. When God starts to draw near, we choose to hide. We're afraid. Our sin gets exposed, and we just don't know what to do at that moment. We try to do the great cover-up, but to no avail. So I'm going to address the where are you again in a little while, and bear with me as we continue to hear a little bit about why I'm here this morning. Passion defined as this, a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. It was just To me, the definition of passion is something I can't get enough of. Just something I cannot get enough of. I cannot get enough of food. Does anybody here love food? You're all believers, and if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. So now you're going to get to the altars even quicker today. Laughter. I love a good laugh. I like to just sit back and, and laugh so hard I can't catch my breath. I love, I love air. Air is fantastic. How many people? Okay. I'm an asthmatic. And I understand what it means to be rushed to a hospital. And I remember as a little boy, they didn't have the methods they do today. And they would just jab me with a needle, pump me with adrenaline, and hope that my lungs would clear up fast enough so I wouldn't choke. And uh, I, I appreciate air. And I mean it in every sense of the word. But for 28 years, I've been passionate about training. In the early 90s, I started competitive bodybuilding. 
going up on stage and competing against guys, and it just it was just a flavor, a flair, and I'm not going to get into all the reasons of why that hobby came upon me other than my dad was into lifting weights, and some of you might know my dad, some of you may not, but he, he, he just, he had this passion in his eyes growing up as a young man lifting weights, and he never got to the level that I did, but oh, I love to lift weights. I love to be competitive in nature, and, and I used to compete against guys in bodybuilding. Now I just compete against the guy in the mirror. You know, at 44 years of age, uh, I think I could beat that guy. You know, uh, I just want to get a little bit better. That, that's all I want to do is make improvements here and there. Um, for the last 28 years, I've been training. I've been doing boxing now. I competed in Gleason's gym. My first fight I lost, and now we're training again. I've had elbow surgery since. I'm going to get back in the ring soon, prayerfully, and, and have some more fun doing that as well. So if you don't listen to my message, please understand I'm talking about the fact that I'm a fighter. And if you don't like this message, meet me after. No, I'm just kidding. Just, just joking with you. For 20 years, or over 20 years now, I've been passionate about something else, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's my personal Lord and Savior. I don't even categorize life like this anymore, because I used to say, first there's God, then there's my family, and there's church. I don't do that. There's God. And then you want to find another category, you can look in there for my, my family, for my church. My God has his own category in my heart. Nobody can come near that category. He stands alone. And I am passionate about loving him. I am passionate about serving him. I want to give him my very best. Well, you see, my training physically was about my discipline. My training spiritually is about the discipleship. One day when I walked into the gym... And, and I trained a lot in my own backyard at first, but I started training in Limbrook at Gold's Gym, trying to get real serious. And there was, something just clicked in my head. I decided at that time I no longer wanted to be a guy who went to a gym. I decided deep inside of me that I wanted to be a bodybuilder. That when I went to the gym, I was going there to get a workout that was going to mean something. That when I put my time in, I wasn't going to be hanging out with the guys and talking and laughing and playing games. I was going there to get the best workout I could because I wanted to become the best bodybuilder I can be. Then when I understood coming into this church and that balcony had my name all over it, people. I used to love going into the balcony because it was the place where Pastor really didn't get to see him much until one day when I noticed he yelled at two kids, you better cut it out up there. And I was like, he sees you up here too. Eyes all over the place. And I, I, I recognized that, you know what, I was going to church and, and his pastor said I was going to church for a long time. My parents were bringing me to church since I was a little kid, as long as I can remember. But there was a point in my life where I said, you know what, I don't want to go to church anymore. I want to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. I recognize it in me showing up to a building and sitting down and listening to some music and then going home and eating a meal and getting a nap. That was not Christianity. So I no longer wanted to go to church. I wanted to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was my discipleship. The discipline and the discipleship keep coming at me, coming at me all these years. And as I progressed in each area, I started to recognize amazing parallels between the two. I stepped back and I looked at them and I said, you know what, physical discipline and godly discipleship, they keep colliding with one another in my life. I keep seeing the similarities and they're, they're just so alive, they're just so real that somebody needs to hear about it. I, ha I have to start penning this stuff and putting it down. Discipline and discipleship are married together and my goal is to show how those similarities in the same way that we build our body is the same way that Jesus is building the body, the church. And as I penned it and I put it down, I said, God, use this to make a difference in people's lives. My heartbeat was this, 
that everybody who knows someone who works out, someone who's in the, into fitness, someone who's into that type of lifestyle, they need to be evangelized as well. And where Jesus used fishing and farming, I was going to take training, and I was going to tie it together so that someone can read this book and say, you know what, I see what the gospel's really talking about now. I see what this is all about. So maybe you're not training, but you know somebody who is, and you need to have their, uh, their etiquette, their, their, their conversational pieces. You've got to be able to share to them something that they're going to get, they're going to understand. And that's why God put this on my heart to put this book out. And as I looked at it, I realized that there were so many things that I wanted to aspire to become. And each chapter breaks down a transition in me that had to be broken and rebuilt, broken and rebuilt. There was a quote that I heard recently. It's called, uh, it said, a goal without a plan is just a dream. A goal without a plan is just a dream. Now, I don't have dreams. I have visions because the prophet Joel said, old men will have dreams and young men will have visions. So I just figured I'll keep it at the visions. That was very funny. You should laugh in the name of the Lord. Thank you. But a goal without a plan is just a dream. You got to have something in order to, to fulfill that goal. You got to put it down and, and make a plan and go after with tenacity and integrity. And well, I realized that there was some transitions that were happening in me. And if I was going to see them come to fruition, then I was going to have to sit back and let God have full control of my life. And it really came to pass, my first competition, my first bodybuilding show, I, I mean, I, I worked so hard at it, and I, and I met so many great people that helped me to get to where I was that day when I stepped on stage. And when I got up on that stage, I didn't crack the top five. I didn't get the big trophy. I really didn't, if you would, in the eyes of the people who were competing, do very good that day. But I did the best that I can do, I felt, at the time. And I went home. My dad and I after we actually went out to eat. We had a huge meal, and uh, breaking the diet for a bodybuilder is a huge thing after a show. And the next day, I'm laying in that apartment that Pastor Steve talked about, and I got a phone call from my dad. And he said these words to me, and, and I, I got to tell you, it blew me away. And he said, Anthony, he goes, I just want you to know that last night when you were up there on that stage, I felt like I was living through you, and I can't tell you how proud I am of you, son. And I want to tell you that that phone call was greater than any trophy, was greater than any first place announcement, raising of my hand, it didn't matter. At that moment, I have my father's approval, and that's all that mattered to me. And in the same way, years later, although I wasn't serving the Lord, I was listening and I was hearing, and I was going through all these uh, times where I was getting convicted by God, but not really dying to myself for the Lord. And I came into the house of God one day, and I realized that, like Pastor said, we, we finally got to that place where I was ready to be broken. I was ready to lay it all down before the Lord. And, and I finally laid my life down. I gave it all to Jesus. And I recognized my life was changing. And it was changing fast. And finally, instead of trying to be a people pleaser, instead of trying to do things to make other people say, oh, look at Anthony, because I was a very selfish guy. And when you're a bodybuilder, you're egotistical. You can't help it. When you walk in the mall, when you pass windows, you're so happy because you can just go, But I recognized that finally I came to the place where I knew who I was and I had the approval of my heavenly father. And if I have the approval of my heavenly father, then I know I was going to be okay. And if I stop living to please men and I start living to please God, then everything was going to finally come together for me. So God gave me the goal. A goal without a plan is just a dream. He gave me the goal. And his goal was this in Matthew 5:48: Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Perfection. God is giving us all a goal. That goal is perfection. 
And not that any of us could ever actually say we are perfect. Absolutely not. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We know that for sure. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying as hard as we could to look as much like Jesus as we can. And God starts to do a work inside of us. You know that moment when you see something or you hear something that affects you for the rest of your life? Maybe that moment when you realize you're going to get married because you've fallen in love. Maybe that time when you finally see that house and you know you're going to become a homeowner. Maybe when you finally check out all the schools and you recognize that's where I'm going to get my education. But for me, it was that moment where I said, you know what, I'm finally going to get right with God. I'm finally going to give him my everything. He's going to get every ounce of who I am. The way Jesus died for me, I want to live for him. I want to give him all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I would not have walked through that doorway. I would have never been that person who finally changed if someone didn't let me know that I wasn't doing it right. Because I, in my heart, thought I was okay. I thought, I can't be that bad. I, I, I've heard all the messages. I've even been to the altars, and you'll hear about my spiritual bulimia before we finish. All of those things are coming to bed, but somebody told me, and it was such a simple sentence. That conversation my father had with Pastor Steve, that conversation was preceded by these words to me by my dad. When he looked at me, and I had a big breakup in my life, and I was brokenhearted, and he said, son, when are you going to get right with God? And it dawned on me that the man who was bringing me to church, the guy who taught me about Jesus, the guy who was being, you know, somewhat of an example to me as best as he could, my father, because he had a hard knocks life in his own way. I realized that he looked at me as someone who didn't know God. He didn't look at me as a kid who was doing it right. He looked at me like I was, and by hearing those words, something triggered inside of me saying, you're not right with God. Something has to change. Something has to turn around. So now I stand with you this morning and I want to lay out the firm foundation that's been put inside of me. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. In every chapter of my book, every chapter has a physical, physical training aspect. Now physical training talks about the natural, this body. And then the end of the chapter is going to go to the godliness and then talk about the body of Christ and what Jesus really wants to do. And in my life, I've had two men outside of my father who have done a tremendous work in showing me how bad my foundation was. Thus, in 19, no, not 19, 2000, well, a few years ago, I'm getting so old I can't do math anymore, it's just happening like that, my daughter was going to kindergarten and I met a man named Robert Martinez. Robert Martinez was a former pro boxer, he's about 250 pounds, he's lightning fast, and when he hits you, it hurts a lot. He was a boxing instructor, and I told my wife that I wanted to take boxing or MMA because I thought the fighters looked great, and I figured if I was still going to lift, maybe I could do some of their workouts and get into much better shape. Well, she said, great. So she bought me a few boxing lessons. She bought me four lessons. And the first lesson with that man showed me right away that if you want to learn how to box, you have to be able to learn how to box. And I recognized that although on the outward I had my, if you would, bodybuilder type physique where I have my traps and my triceps and my biceps and I stand a certain way. I don't put toothpicks under my arms as some people think. They just sometimes flare out that way. But I recognized that after a session with him that my foundation was horrible. In other words, I might have had an exterior look that looked okay, but on the inside I was a wreck. And it wasn't because of my asthma. I could barely run. I can do wind sprints, I couldn't do stair sprints, I couldn't do squat thrusts. I couldn't hit the bag very long, I couldn't keep my hands up. And everything that he showed me right away is that, Aunt, if you don't get into shape on the inside, you'll never be able to perform in the ring. You'll never be able to go the distance. You'll never be able to have that dream. And one day, say, yo, Diana, I did it. 
That was very funny as well. You should laugh. That's, it's an order. There was so much lacking in me to be able to compete at the level that I thought I might want to, even to train at the level that I thought I might want to, that we had to start from the bare bones. We had to break everything down, and we had to start little by little building me up from the inside out. He was a rebuilding process that I went through that I don't know if I'd want to do again because it cost a lot. But, you know, it's six years later, and it's fun to be in the gym and see the guys who are starting to begin and see them having to go through their phase of getting broken down and being rebuilt and step-by-step, step, uh, workout after workout, getting better and better and better. But, you know, honestly, the, the physical aspect of being broken down that way it spoke volumes to me, and it showed me how much I needed to change, but I want to take us to the godliness, because the godliness aspect of the firm foundation is the quintessential factor and the difference-making part of my life, and this is the eternal life that I talk about. I went to church pretty regularly. I was a good kid. People thought I was a good kid, and you know, the funny thing is this. A clock that's broken, it depends on the time of day, but you might think it's fine, because twice a day, it's right. Looks good at least twice a day, right? But it's broken on the inside. All depends on when you're taking a peek at it. But if you got to stare long enough, you realize something was wrong. And people didn't have a chance to really stare long enough at Anthony because I was in church and I was out of church. I would come and I would go. But in the most, uh, you know, uh, people evaluate my life. They say, well, Anthony's a good kid. And you could take it away and you could say, put your name in that slot. So-and-so's a good person. So-and-so does the right thing. So-and-so has respect. So-and-so has manners. So-and-so is courteous. But I want to say this right now. Uh, there are times when you start to have the, the light of the Holy Spirit shine onto you, and all of a sudden, everything that looked like a negative that nobody could really make out becomes illuminated, and you start to see all the shortcomings and all of the problems and all of the issues. And I was living a where-are-you life. Where are you, Aunt? God was calling, but so many times, I, you know, I, I was acting like I was answering the call, but I was as far away from him as you can possibly be. I was as close to him as you want to get, but I was as far away from him as you could really want to be. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. You see, God says he'll let you build your own house if you want. He'll let you build your own kingdom if you desire, but you'll watch it fade away, and that's what happened to me. I was building my own kingdom. It was a very selfish kingdom. I wasn't mean-spirited about it, but I wanted things my way. I wanted to have pleasure. I wanted to experience life the way I heard everybody else was experiencing life, and it was all about what's good for Anthony. What can Anthony get next? What can Anthony... And I was building my own little kingdom, and God says, go ahead. You want to build it? Do what you want to do, and inevitably, my kingdom fell apart. My world started to come unraveled, and things were going down, and they were going down fast for me. My girlfriend broke up with me and left me. I was busted inside. I had to leave home because it was the best interest of the family. It's the nice way of saying I was asked to leave. And then I had my car repossessed, you know. It was a bummer of a season for this guy up here. But I got to tell you, I sat back and I looked at this and I realized, Anthony, you've been building your own house. You've been the one. And God will give you permission to do it. If you want to build it on your own terms, go ahead. He'll let you get as many stories up as you want, but don't blame him when everything starts to come toppling down. Because unless the Lord builds the house, you're building it in vain. I was building, busy building my kingdom, and it fell apart. I built it on a whole load of sand. There was no firm foundation. One of the churches that we now have the privilege of helping to get back on its feet, they have a beautiful parsonage, and we're going to put the next youth pastor that we hire in that parsonage. I brought an engineer out. 
The engineer checked out the foundation for us because it was made out of cinder block many years ago and they started coming in a little bit. And he told us, don't put anybody in this house, it's condemnable. The foundation is bad. And that's the story of our lives, people, because if our foundation is bad, then everything else is going to be condemnable. we got to be standing on something that's solid, something that's strong, something that's true. And along came Pastor Steve. How many people had an along came Pastor Steve moment in their life? Oh, along came Pastor Steve, my spiritual father. He showed me that the foundation I was standing on was built on deception and lies. He looked me in the eye. He's, he's, very, he's a straight shooter. Thus, I'm the same way with my ministry. He always would say, look, if you preach sin and salvation, the Lord's going to bless the house that you preach in. And he looked at me and he told me, you know, these are all the things that are off kilter. These are the, you got to repent. You got to get your life right. And he, he told me I had a fire insurance policy. Have you used that phrase with you? Fire insurance policy. In other words, I was living a life where I was hoping when I get to heaven, I could say, God, oh, this is what I got. And uh, I hope that's good enough. You know, it, it's, the, it's the package deal that I signed up for when I was uh, a kid and, and I didn't know any better. And I've been living life on my terms. And, and he says, God doesn't accept fire insurance policies. He only accepts hearts that surrendered to him. And if you're living your life like you got some fire insurance policy, guess what? You can't cash it in in heaven. It ain't going to get you, no. It won't even get you in the bus here. You know, it doesn't do nothing for anybody. But we're deceiving ourselves into thinking we're okay. So I saw that even though I thought I looked good in God's eyes, I was really a mess. And the first thing that he helped me to understand for me to be rebuilt into who God wanted me to be was that I needed to repent and confess my sins. I'm not making mistakes. I wasn't messing up, I was in sin, and I needed to repent of those sins and ask the healer of my soul to forgive me, and then the rebuilding phase was going to start, I was going to be a disciple. I wanted to be a disciple. I figured if Jesus died for me the way he did, then I want to live for him radically. I want to give him everything I got, every ounce of who I am in every way, shape, and form. Spiritual disciplines needed to be taught to me. And he took time and invested in me. And the church, please understand, it was considerably smaller at the time. And he had, it, was, it was a much different world at that time. He wasn't even the senior pastor. He was, he was uh, assistant pastor at the time, associate pastor. And, and now I know he's so stretched and he's got so many demands on him. But for me at that moment, he was still able to take the time to pour into my life in a way that you know that there are people here that want to do the very same thing for you spiritual disciplines had to be taught to me. I didn't know any better. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I had to start thinking differently. Where I was always thinking about Anthony and what he wanted and what would be fun and what would give me pleasure, I had to start thinking about what God wanted. And how did the Holy Spirit want to use me? And how does that work? How do I have the Holy Spirit fill me? How does the Holy Spirit get a hold of my life and take me to places I never thought I can go? I, I, was, just, I was just having to have the whole, whole reconstruction inside of my head, a rebuilding of my mind. Every thought had to be taken captive, and God wanted to do it, and he wanted to do it in a grandiose way. And it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So not only now did I find out that I needed my mind renewed, but I could actually know what God wanted for me and I could actually test it and I could actually see what would make him happy I wanted to put a smile on his face instead of a tear in his eye for a change but it was going to take a lot of change in me I had to start thinking differently then first Timothy 4 16 says watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers 
Can you imagine that? Not only watching your life, but your doctrine closely. So he had to teach me the word of God. He had to spoon feed it to me because I really couldn't take it in. I knew about Ten Commandments, but I couldn't recite them all. I knew about, you know, the Our Father because I said it growing up, being raised Catholic in Brentwood. I just didn't know what the word of God was all about. I didn't understand the instructions of the Lord. So slowly and methodically, he spoon fed me. And I wanted to take him in, and it was my business to crack open the word after everything was said and done here and start diving into that word on my own and start feeding myself as well as being fed by my pastor and others around me. Do you understand that? Babies need to be fed. Adults got to learn how to feed themselves. Can I get another amen? It's so important, people. So here's the goal, right? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5, 48. Pastor Steve and any leader that's in your life and anyone who cares about God has this intended for you when you step into that place where you're no longer going to have God crying out to you where you're at because you're hiding and you're afraid because you're in sin. The goal is to get you from a where you're at lifestyle to an Exodus 33, 17 lifestyle, and I love this lifestyle. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you ask because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. How awesome is that? That God would say, whatever you ask, you got it. How tight could you be with God that he would say to you, whatever you ask me for, you got it. Why? Because he's pleased with you and he knows you by name. He knows your name. We could all say, I love you, Jesus. But imagine when Jesus sits down and says, I love you. And he says your name after it. He knows your name. He's pleased with you. And he'll do the very thing you've asked. Why? Because everything you're asking for is lining up with his will because you've had your mind renewed and you're testing and you're able to approve what his good and pleasing will is for you. So now, whatever you're asking is coming from a heart that's committed to Jesus. And he says, go ahead. Do it. I'm pleased with you. I know you by name. Because now, I needed the approval of my heavenly father. That was all that mattered to me, right? So this is where God was taking me in my rebuilding process. Pastor Steve wanted to see me go from a place where I was running and hiding, literally hiding in my basement, to a place now where I could be used by God and have God know me by my name. I I like the the passage in the Bible that says our names are written on the palm of his hand. Did you ever think about that? It's kind of like when you're in elementary school and a young girl would do that because I don't know if any guys in elementary school are writing girls' names on their hands going, look at this. But a girl might do that, put a guy's name on her hand and be like, this is who I like, you know? And I think about God putting our names written on his hand, and he's just looking at that name going, oh, man, I love them so much. I I can't wait. One day I'm going to hold them and embrace them and love on them. I'm going to look them in the eye and tell them I couldn't wait for this moment. This is the greatest moment to me when the king of glory holds us in his arms and yet lets us know how much he loves us and desires to be with us. Amen? Well, to properly rebuild... We had to do what's called a frame-off restoration. You see, in my book, in my book, in my world, I understand classic cars. And when you take a classic car apart, you build it up, and you want to take off that frame, that old rust bucket inevitably gets turned into a beautiful classic. And that's what I know God wanted to do in everyone, in every one of our lives. And in the depth of my soul, he had to do a frame-off restoration. He was going to redeem, reconstruct, repair, restore, and rebuild my life. 
He justified me. He, went from, he, he, he took me from being guilty and said and pronounced me innocent. He regenerated me. He took my old nature and he gave me a new nature. He sanctified me. My father was a city sanitation worker. He got the garbage out. Well, guess what? I still got a sanitation worker and my father in heaven, except he's a sanctification worker. He's still getting the garbage out of me till this day. He's doing a tremendous work deep inside of my soul. And I don't care if I'm a senior pastor. I'm a daddy. I'm a husband. I'm still a son. I'm a spiritual son. I'm all these different hats, but the greatest, greatest title I will ever have is Son of the Most High God, and because he got his hands on me, and he's been changing me and working for me on the inside out, I can't thank him enough. I will not be satisfied in going to church. I want to be a world changer. Amen? I am not satisfied in walking through the doors of an assembly where people worship God. I want to change the world. And look, I haven't hung out in Guam, Istanbul, and Bangladesh, but I know about Valley Stream, Medford, and Port Jeff. And if I can help change this long island for the glory of God, then Lord, go ahead and use me. Rebuild me into whoever you want me to be so that your name can be lifted higher and higher and higher. I also have to be a Gacadon, I guess, because I know in my own church, I go on and on. I never realize no one can tell me when to stop, but today, I'm going to come down. I'm going to bring it down a little bit, and I'm going to ask you to listen to this last analogy, and we're going we're to ask you to respond today. I had spiritual bulimia. Spiritual bulimia was this. I would come to the house of God regularly, right? I would show up here. I would hear the message, and I would go to the altars and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done, Lord. And what I would do, and, and please forgive me if this is a kind of intense, but I would just throw up, throw out all of my garbage to God. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. But my problem was, is I was going to go back and binge on the same sins, and I knew it. So I would come to the altars, and I would try to purge myself to feel better for a moment. My spiritual bulimia was killing me. And I would repeat this cycle over and over and over and over again until finally one day it dawned on me that everything I'm doing here at the altars is, a, is an insult to God. And it was time for me to really get my life right with him. I've kind of given you the steps a little bit on how that took place, but I am asking you today if you understand what I'm talking about if you understand that maybe God needs to do something deep inside of you, if you know that the getting right process is something you've been holding back on, this is a day, this is a moment, this is a time when you can let the spirit of God well up inside of you and he can start to do a cleanup in your life that's been like no other cleanup before. The glorious God of heaven and earth is shining down his light right now. His eyes of fire are looking in every heart. He knows who's right and he knows who's living for themselves and he is looking for a church to be repentant a church that's willing to come before him and bear all things, a church that's willing to be honest with themselves and honest with him, who's looking for the approval of their father, God, willing to confess their sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. The Lord wants to meet us here today, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me, because i got to get us to a place where we can pray about what I've been talking about this morning. Come on, stand with me right now. I'm going to ask the question one more time. Where are you? Where are you this morning? Where are you at? You know, I, I try to be very open-hearted. This right here is the, if you would, the sign language sign for vulnerable. You know, opening up your heart. And I want to be as much of this as I can to connect with as many people as possible. If I can tell my story and I can talk about my shortcomings and my flaws, 
even till this day. I mean, last week I was on the pulpit. It's almost like therapy for me when I'm telling them, oh, I messed up again this week. And they're all like, there, oh, there goes pastor again. But I want to tell you right now, where are you? Where are you hiding and afraid? Are you, are you scurrying to the corner because God's showing up and you don't want to meet, you don't want to see him, you don't want to have him have to look at you, and you don't want to have to hear what he has to say to you? Where are you right now? What kind of rebuilding does God have to do in you? Because understand, you don't have to fully be repentant and get your life right with God for him to be able to do some rebuilding inside of you. Maybe he wants to do a work inside of you, something new, something different, something extreme. I never knew I was going to be a pastor. God just said he wanted to build me up into something I never thought I would become. I didn't ask to be a pastor. He called me to be that. But you're all ministers, and you're all, in some way, shape, or form, a missionary to the people of your world, of your circle that you affect, the sphere of life that you minister to. So right now, I just hope and pray that you can hear my heart, and you need to do a self-evaluation right where you're at. Where are you? Where are you? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads, and I don't know if the musicians can come, and we can. But I want to ask this question right now. If you know you need to get your life right with Jesus Christ, the King of glory is knocking on hearts this morning. He wants to be able to embrace you, but you keep going to places where he's saying, where are you? If you want to get your life right with Jesus Christ, if you recognize right now you need to repent of your sins and get your life right with God, can you just lift up a hand? I want to pray with you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You see, to me, this is the most important time because this is where the rebuilding can begin. You be honest with God. Don't be, don't be bringing him a half-hearted effort. When the Bible says, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. Don't be bringing him just some bad. You ain't got no fire insurance policy that's going to work now. You got to give him your heart because it's the only thing that we can give God that means something to him. So right now, those who lifted your hand, I want you to take this prayer that I'm going to pray. And it's only because I don't know who knows how to pray. So I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you pray this prayer with sincerity in your heart, praying a prayer that comes from your soul, reaching out to God with full belief that he is who he said he is, he's going to hear you. He's going to forgive you. I want you to pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I've been living life my way. It's not working. I need help. I need the cross. I believe you died. I believe the tomb was empty. I believe you're alive. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I want to say this too right now for all of you. All of us are, are up for a visit to the, to, the, to the hands of the Holy Spirit for some rebuilding. I don't know what kind of repair work you need. I don't, I don't know what you might have been through. I don't know what kind of wounds you might have. I don't know what marital issues. I don't know what your husband or your, or your, your wife said to you. I don't know what your boss is telling you. I don't know what your finances are dictating to you. I don't know what the doctor has said about you. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what your kids are up to. I don't know what kind of addictions you might have. I don't know. But there's a king who sits on a throne who knows every story. And he wants to help write a new script. He wants to write a new chapter on what's going on, but you've got to let him do the rebuilding inside of you. You've got to let him take that situation and start making that, uh, the fact that he's building the house, not you. Because some of us think we got, we got this thing, God. We got this thing. No, no, no. God's got to have this thing. God's got to have you, and he's going to be pleased with you, and he's got to know you by name. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you want some prayer on God doing a work inside of your life, rebuilding the issues that you're dealing with, maybe even a little bit of you. You know, sometimes we can be sinful. 
We might not be judged on our sin, but we might have sinned, and we need to get to God. Whatever the area is, if you need some rebuilding, come on, just get out of those chairs, and let's get to this altar, and let's start seeking the Lord about God doing some serious rebuilding deep inside of us. Am I right to say that, to ask them? Come on, I'm inviting you guys to come forward. We want to pray for you. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. Whatever work you need done on the inside, whatever is going on, whatever struggles, whatever issues, we want to be a people that can pray for one another. We want to be the church in action. We want to lift up Jesus Christ together today. Come on, let's be a family and let's pray for one another. Let's let God do the rebuilding today. through this 
process of the power of RE. And this morning it's about rebuilding. It's about God putting a good foundation in your life. Just like Pastor Anthony said, you, you can go to church all your life and have a bad foundation. You know, let me, let me tell you, I, I'm really surprised sometimes in my foundations class that we run every, every Wednesday night that there are Christians that have been going to church for 20 years, 30 years, and they don't have a foundation of God's Word in their life. They don't know the Word of God. They don't have a foundation of prayer. They don't share their faith with anyone else. And I think to myself, what in the world have they been doing for 25 years? They've not been building on the right foundation. And some of us, we've got a foundation in our life, but sometimes we get tired. We get weary of just letting God do the work in our life. But we know there's a, there's a work to be done in our life. You know, so often I recognize that every stage of my life is another opportunity for God to do a new restoration work in my life. Something else, you know, I, the, the older I get in the, in the faith, the older I get in, in the word, the more I understand, man, I, I got some problems in my life that I got to deal with in my life that I got to allow God to deal with in my life. Now, we've got some altar workers here this morning. And, and if you're here today, you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I die today, Pastor Anthony used to sit in the balcony, way in the back, the last seat in the balcony on Sunday morning. He was a church kid. He had to come to church. His father made him come to church. He used to sit way, I, I remember, I could still see Anthony. He wasn't that body built back then, but he was way back in the altar, in the, in the balcony. And one day he realized, you know, I'm playing church. That's all, I'm playing church. I don't want to be in church. My parents make me go to church because it's not real to me. It didn't come alive to me yet. And I'll never forget the day that he said, Jesus, I'm playing church. I'm playing games with you. And I'm not sure if I die today. That was the question I asked Pastor Anthony in his apartment. If you died right now, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? I'm going to ask you that question right now. Are you sure today if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? friend? Eternity is a long, 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 long time. And for you not to know whether or not you'd go to heaven if you died, you need to resolve that question right now in this room at this very moment. So you say to me, Pastor Steve, I don't know for sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I've been playing church. I don't really know if I have a relationship with God. I'm going to ask you right now. You're a young person. I'm going to ask you right now to get out of your seat and come and meet me right here. I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, I need God to to come into my life and change my life. Anybody here, quickly, you just come out of your seat. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody, quickly, quickly. We're going to move in a moment, but you say, yes, I, I need to know. I, I'm a young person. I need to know. I need to know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Come on. Come on. I'm playing church. Hey, friends, time for playing church is over. We're living in the last days. Let me tell you something. My heart was broken the other day. As I heard a story, and this morning, again, my heart was broken as I, I passed through Rockville Center. Listen to me. Look at me, everyone. I passed through Rockville Center. Just a few nights ago, there was a young lady, 18 years old, I believe it was, 18 years old. She was found naked, lying in a puddle of blood right, right there in Rockville Center. Nice, beautiful Rockville Center. A young lady, I think she was from Oceanside. She went out that night. She didn't know that was going to be the last night of her life. And I was so heartbroken by it. 
this morning as I was passing through, you don't know when it's going to be the last night of your life. You say, Pastor, are you trying to scare me? Absolutely. 100%. I'm trying to make you understand you can't play games with eternity. That's one thing that you can't take back. Once your life is done, as the Bible says, your life is like a hand breath. It's like a mist. It's here. Tomorrow it's gone. And I was 19 years old and I had a bad car accident being rushed to the hospital. And I knew God was giving me another chance to get right with him. And I'm no fool. I said, yes, today's the day I'm going to get right with God. Maybe you need to get right with God today. Say, Lord, I need you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you have to work for your salvation. It means that you need to surrender and let him do that work in your life. To say, I'm a sinner. You died for me. And Lord, I thank you for the gift of eternal life. Anybody else, you need to come. Come right now. I want you to come right now. I want to pray for you. Anybody else that needs to come. You say, Pastor, I need to get right with God today. I need Jesus to come into my life. Now, let me tell you something. This is just the beginning, young men. You could come every week to the altar and get right with God. Like Pastor Anthony said, bulimic, spiritual bulimia. Come, oh God, please forgive me. But the next thing you need to do is feed yourself. You need to get a good foundation in your life, a strong foundation. Too many people come to the altar every Sunday morning. It's like a revolving door every week, every week, every week. It's time to grow in the Lord. It's time to grow in the Lord. Amen? So I want you to make a commitment today. We're talking about the radical groups. And I want you to make a commitment. That book will help you. That radical book will help you to build the right foundation. Not a faulty foundation because you know the American gospel tells us we can come and say a quick little prayer and God's going to bless us. That's not the gospel. Amen. So radical is going to help you today to rebuild your life. I want some of the altar workers to come. We're going to pray for these young men and women that God really blesses their life. Extend your hand towards these people right now. We're going to pray for them right now. And if you need to still come out of your seat, I want you to come today. And I want to pray for you. Come on, altar workers. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for those that are here today. Lord, they responded, God, because in their heart, Lord, they just know that they need to grow. They need to learn. They need to understand the gospel, to understand that it is a free gift. But, Lord, when Jesus comes into our life, he changes everything. God, I pray that you would change their lives, God, that you would make them radical for you, God, that, Lord, that they would recognize, Lord, that they can't do it on their own, and it's all about surrendering to your lordship today, God. So bless them today, God. Lord, bless them today, God. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to touch them, Lord God. Come on, let's pray for these young people. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your Holy Spirit to touch them right now, God. Lord, they are repentant, Lord. God, they have, they have had the courage, Lord God, to get out of their seats, Lord. This young man, Lord God, almost ran to the altar today, God. Father, use him for the glory of your kingdom, Father God. Help him to see, Lord, there's so much more for your kingdom, God. There are people that are hurting and how you can help, oh God. Lord, through his life, Lord. Father, I thank you for this young lady right now. We pray, oh God, your hand to be upon her right now, God. Oh Lord, wrap your arms around her, Father. Help her to feel your love today. She needs, oh God, to feel your love today, God. God. So bless her today, God. Work in her life, God. Father, bring healing, oh God, to this heart, Father, today, Father, in the name of Jesus. And God, help her to know, God, that you never leave her and you'll never forsake her, Father. Touch her by the Holy Spirit today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Oh, God's Holy Spirit's here today. Now, I want to ask you one more thing to do. 
You know what? Um, a great pastor said every service needs to turn into a prayer meeting. Amen? So I want to ask you a question today. Do you know somebody who needs to get radically on fire for God? Do you know somebody that needs to be saved? you have a son, a daughter, somebody who needs a good foundation? I want to ask you to do two things. The first thing I want you to do is every service becomes a prayer meeting. You know, I am more committed to prayer today than ever, ever before. Now, how do you get the church to pray corporately? How do you do that? I mean, you know, the truth is, is we've got all these ministries in the church and we've got all this stuff going on. Do I tell everybody to come back out on Sunday night? You won't come because you're too busy, huh? So while we're here right now, while we got that moment right now, while we have the moment to pray one for another, I'm going to invite you to get into groups of two or three. And I'm going to invite you to pray one for another. And I want you to pray for the Radical Series. And I want you to pray for your loved ones, your, your husband, your wife, your children, whoever it is. I want you to pray that they give their lives to Jesus and they get radically on fire for God. Now, Anthony was so humble today. He didn't even tell you that downstairs in the cafe is his book. I want to encourage you to get this book. Give it to somebody who needs a good foundation. It may be your son, your daughter, somebody who's been in church before. Or maybe not been in church and they're playing church I want you to get this book go downstairs and encourage Pastor Anthony and I want you to give this book to your son your daughter somebody who needs to read this book about playing church and how playing church doesn't get you to heaven how you need to have a good foundation in your life come on let's break up right now and let's find somebody we can pray with right now come on let's pray right now come on let's break up all the workers I want you right now to give these folks all the information they need get the information follow up on them come on come on come on amen amen